Welcome to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast, hosted by award-winning television director, documentary filmmaker, author, and speaker, Craig D. Forrest. Join Craig for the next few minutes as he interviews leaders, artists, and creatives about trends and insights shaping our digital world and faith-based media. This podcast is produced and brought to you by Matchstick Media International. Now, here's Craig. TV producer Andy Freeman is with us on the podcast today. Let's pick up where we left off in the last episode. Um, we're talking on the Six Ways of Sunday podcast with TV producer Andy Freeman, who also has worn a lot of hats, including production assistant who was timing and promos and such. We, we talked about that earlier. Uh, and we could go on to, you know, to, like we said, take any job, just say yes. But, but uh, we're not at that point at the moment. There are so many churches now, uh, especially after COVID, that are doing live streaming. And they think, uh, many pastors and churches do, just set up a camera in the back of the auditorium, turn it on on Sunday morning or Wednesday night, whatever, preach, uh, worship, prayer, offering, announcements, preach, one hour, one hour and a half. And we're done and we have a media ministry, but there is so much more to media ministry than that. Can can you pick up that baton on that, Andy, and talk about that a little bit of, of what the possibilities are if pastors and leaders could just recognize it? I'm in, a, I'm in full agreement with you, first and foremost. And I was trying to think of what the comparison would be. It might be uh, like somebody's saying in commercial television, well, I'm doing a television drama, and I hope you watch it Tuesday nights at 8. And when you turned in Tuesday night at 8, there was this actor standing there, and he reads his lines, and he you know, he carries the story forward, but you never see any visualization of it. You don't see the cop cars. You don't see the exciting things. You don't see the romance. And you'd probably turn it off pretty quickly and look at somebody else who was using the medium to its creative capacity in order to entertain or inform you. And I think that's the same error. And maybe sometimes it happens even more so, Craig, in this situation like you're talking about. And, and you know, it's funny, the whole uh, live streaming thing, you know, it blew up during COVID and uh, needed to. People wanted to still have connectivity and wanted to still share their faith and celebrate their faith. But I'm not convinced so much anymore that um, that kind of I'm, you know, spying on the church through the camera type of ministry should still be going on. I'm sure you've heard some of the numbers of the fall off of church attendance. And I don't I don't think we're aiding in getting people back into the flesh and bone and breathing and being next to one another and hugging and passing the peace and praying together or whatever, depending on your denominational background um, by doing those. Uh, and I'm all for the use of media. And I, I often see, Craig, things done very creatively and innovatively on the screens of a church when I'm there. But as far as that second layer of treating it as a live event, uh, yeah, it's it's really just a couple cameras and you're spying on the the service. Now, that, that said, I'm going to just put one little caveat there. There are people long before COVID who have been basically um, making their church services palatable 
through television and using it as an outreach. But you'll notice with them, oftentimes, there's a lot more production value, a lot more cameras, a lot more excellence in lighting and sound uh, that makes it engaging uh, instead of tolerable. I've said uh, during and after COVID that, that the churches and ministry, churches primarily and ministries that did the best through COVID and went had to go into live streaming were churches that were already heavily involved in media before COVID happened because mm -hmm. they just made a trend, a transition. And okay, okay, what are we going to do now? We can't do a pulpit. And, and I'll give you one, uh, Greg Laurie with Harvest Ministries out in, in Riverside. They were trying to figure it out themselves like every other church back in 2020, March, April or so. And they decided, okay, we are going to go to our South, uh, our Orange, um, Orange County campus, and we're going to set up a beautiful living room, a very comfortable living room, and light it. And that's where we're going to have church from um, mm. until this thing finishes. So they set it up in a way, Andy. I don't know if you ever saw it, but they set it up in a way that anyone viewing felt as if they were in the same living room, enjoying church with singing. And with, hey, uh, sitting on the couch and talking about letters that were coming in or messages. And uh, in, in all of that, they, they, they thrived. Each they, they talked about it every single week as they looked at the numbers. There'd be tens of thousands more people watching than the week before. Word got out. And uh, it, they did really well because they had already had a vision and a history of media before COVID happened. Okay. Preaching to the choir in all of that. <laughs> you know, Andy, we haven't talked about what you're doing now, which is a channel that uh, is is really interesting, the Victory Channel, and you work in news there. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I've, I'm down here, uh, Dallas-Fort Worth way, and been here about 25 months, and they launched daily 30-minute conservative Christian newscast at noon and 5 p.m. Eastern, it's called Victory News. And um, I was brought in to help move it forward and to you know keep polishing and work on story coverage and creativity and to make it something that was competitive, not to the Dallas-Fort Worth market, but uh, to, to national programming. And so um, I'm thankful for the background and history back there at CBN and CBN 700 Club, CBN News, because all those things have uh, become very handy in this effort, as well as uh, the three seasons of Huckabee, working with the governor, who that was a whole different thing because, uh, you know, he wanted to do news and commentary of the week, but then he wanted to turn around and play bass with the Beach Boys and, and cook with Paula Dean. Great show, but I, I teased him one time. I said, it's kind of like uh, CBS Evening News uh, crashes in an intersection with Ed Sullivan. Uh, but that's that program. So this program is straightforward news, but looking at it through the biblical lens and with a conservative uh, perspective. And uh, by God's grace and a lot of talented people I'm working with, uh, we've, we've come a long way and we're very, very thankful for that. Where can people find the Victory Channel? VictoryChannel.tv, Victory Channel. Is it, so how, how, how is it available? They can find it uh, on uh, govictory.com, also YouTube, 
And then you get into all the over-the-top options like Roku and the rest of those. And then it's also carried on some cable. We haven't pushed out deeply into cable because people are doing just what we're doing here. They're using their computer and they're using live streams and on demands. So if you just search the Victory channel, you'll find the different avenues that you can uh, see it from on demand to a live stream of the network. And then, as I said, we're on there on demand, Victory News, and that's at noon and five Eastern live or on demand, as I mentioned. Excellent. Streaming has really changed things. And uh, we could have a longer conversation. Streaming, <laughs> streaming came up so strong during COVID, and then it went away a little bit because it did. People, oh, I can watch regular TV now, and I, you know, COVID's over with. So yep. that that wasn't that wasn't the big cash cow that you know the Paramounts and the MGMs and all thought thought it was going to be, was it? No, and I was just reading. It's interesting to say that. Uh, you know, NBC pulled off all of its, most of its product off for Hulu so that they could create Peacock, which is their own uh, delivery system. And um, even though they've picked up, oh, I can't remember, a couple million more subscribers this year, and they have a significant body of people who are paying a monthly fee, they are deeply, deeply uh, in the hole, in the red, and they just can't make the numbers work. Uh, whereas at some level, they were working uh, when Hulu.com kind of was the conglomerate, if you will, of all the traditional uh, network delivery. Wrapping up our time with TV producer. Uh, oh, we forgot to say raconteur, didn't we? No, oh, my goodness. Yes, I, I, I snuck it in. I sneaked it in. So there you go. TV producer, uh, raconteur. I mean, you know, if the TV producing thing doesn't work out, I think there is a career for you, Andy, as a raconteur. I don't know how you get paid for it, though. <laughs> Wait, let me let me tell a joke that you can edit out. No, well, yeah. we, might, we might keep it in. Okay. So uh, this dear lady was driving down the highway, and uh, unfortunately, she was uh, becoming a little inebriated, imbibed. Basically, she was uh, having some fruit of the vine, and uh, a police officer pulls her over. And needless to say, in most countries, uh, having alcohol in a vehicle open is not a accepted thing. Anyway, the officer walks up to her car and he said, ma'am, can I see your license? And he said, oh, and what's that bottle next to you? And she looks and as she's handing her license, she says, uh, oh, it's, it's a bottle of water, officer. And he said, uh, well, hand that to me as well, please. So, you know, reluctantly she does, and he unscrews the cap and smells, and he looks at her, and he says, ma'am, this is wine. And she says, thank you, Lord, you've done it again. And <laughs> there's my union joke for the day. There you go. I like it. You know, we uh, well, let's finish up with, I, I've got a question I think you'd be great to answer, which is we have just thousands of young creatives that listen to this podcast across the world. We're in like 70, over 70 countries of the world. Uh, these are young men and women, uh, 15 to 30 years of age that, that want to that wanna tell stories, redemptive stories about Jesus and the gospel and bring people and, and grab people with interesting stories. What kind of, a, you know, looking back over your ministry and career, 
uh, your talents as God has blessed them. What kind of advice would you give them? What what could you do to encourage them and give them some insight? Well, the first thing I, I would definitely say is make sure your heart and your vision and your desire is in keeping with what the Lord has for you. And I, I can believe if you put it before him on his altar, it will be. The second thing I would say, Craig, is don't wait until you have a delivery system to tell stories. Start telling stories now. Jesus told stories as we see throughout the scripture. He didn't always have four or 5,000 people he was telling stories to and having to feed. Sometimes he was talking to just a woman at the well. But he did not neglect to tell those stories and tell them to their very best ability. And he allowed the Holy Spirit, obviously, through him to do the rest of the work. And so if we wait until we are tied into a network, a streaming service, an on-demand situation, uh, we might find ourselves three or five or ten years down the road and not having done what we should be doing to polish, refine, and to uh, get better at content and communication. And, you know, I'm thinking in terms of drama or humor, but this goes for news as well. As you know, Craig, you could take your podcast tomorrow and start commenting on issues and saying, well, what does the Bible say about taxes, education, whatever? And so uh, we live in a media age that's immediate, and this is the last thing we should be doing is waiting. And the other thing I would say is uh, make sure what you're doing, whether, again, it's from the art side or from the information side, make sure it's filled with authenticity. I know you had to be as happy as I was, Craig, when uh, Jenkins started doing The Chosen. And finally, Jesus and his disciples didn't look like a bunch of white guys from Europe. Um there was authenticity in his casting and the look and the feel of the program, even though no big giveaway. If you research a little bit, the show shot in the Southwest and West of the United States, mm -hmm. but the people, the feel, the texture, you could reach through the screen. It feels like the middle East. And I think today's Gen Xers, I think millennials, if anything, you always hear them talking about authenticity way more than we ever did. And so you need to, whatever you're doing in terms of content, make sure that it's filled with authenticity and that there's no mistaking of your message. So whether you're using humor as a device or drama or you're using news and a topic, but in the end, you're trying to carry people to the point of the gospel and redemption do it with authenticity. Amen. We're going to leave it at that. Andy uh, Freeman, it has been a, a privilege and a pleasure to have you on the podcast. And thank you for not only uh, giving us some inspiration and information, but also for being a funny guy, which I always like. So, <laughs> so okay. And by the way, anyone that knows TV people, especially TV people that have worked in Christian TV, we have a very different uh, type of humor than most people. We've seen a lot. Andy, what a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, Craig. I hope we do it again sometime. God bless you. Thank you. 
You've been listening to the Six Ways to Sunday podcast with Craig D. Forrest, brought to you by Matchstick Media International, dedicated to excellence in media through inspiration, vision, and education. To learn more, visit us on the web at matchstickmedia.org. That's matchstickmedia.org. Your generous donations, large or small, help defray costs for producing this creative podcast. Thanks for listening and subscribing.